Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump, the weekly show in which we have a discussion with people or someone who has had a spiritual awakening. My name is Rick Archer and my guest this week is Mary Foster. And you'll recognize Mary if you've been watching this series because she and her husband George were my first guests uh, on the first show that I taped back in October. And that show has really sustained this whole concept for months now because by the time you see this, shows will be getting aired regularly, but at this taping in early April, we have still been plagued with technical problems with regard to the software that, you know, I won't go into the details, but we haven't been able to upload the shows as readily as we would like. But nonetheless, Mary and George's interview has been on the internet since last October or so, and uh, has gotten well over 600 views and all sorts of discussion and so on. And they came in like the night before they were to embark on a, a trip from Iowa to Seattle and they weren't even packed and ready to go yet. But nonetheless, they came down and I really appreciate your having done that back in October because it's really been the foundation for this whole uh, enterprise. In the first show with Mary and George, I took a sort of a chronological approach in which we went back to their, you know, adolescence and moved up through to the present, recounting or tracing the stages of their spiritual development. And uh, since we've already covered that ground, I thought we would take a different tack tonight and just focus in on what Mary considers significant now. And knowing Mary as I do and having spent a lot of time talking with her uh, and, and various friends about um, her experiences, there's always something new. There's always some, something going on, some breakthrough, some development. And so I'm sure that a lot has happened since last October. But um, I thought we'd start with what's happening right now. And we'll kind of go into that and expand from that and just see where it takes us. You've undoubtedly given this some thought over the last few days since we've been talking about doing this interview. And, no, um, I haven't. Okay. <laughs> so where would you like to start? You've been traveling. So. I guess this latest, uh, I, I just can call them openings because it seems that more and more is revealed as, as we live in the physical body. It's been very interesting these last years, almost eight years, that the experiences that I've had, they all have knowledge, obviously. You have an experience of something, and something goes along with it, something that you know, something that you see, something that you understand. And for me, it's been a lot of, a lot of crazy experiences. I'll say crazy, because here I am in Amsterdam having fish and chips, and my first bite of fish was not only really tasty, but I'm experiencing the whole life of the fish in my awareness by tasting it. I'd had other experiences also with hearing and with sight that I can say a holistic experience of knowing a full range of something. So to make that concrete, are you referring to the experience of talking to a sales lady or something on the phone and getting a whole panorama of her yeah, life? Yes, that was, that was the, first, the first actual experience that I had was with the senses was that I was on the phone with a sales lady. Actually, it might have been calling about a, a bill, you know, something right. to do with a cell phone or something. But it was somebody who was in customer service. As I'm talking to her, all of a sudden, 
her whole life flooded in. I knew all the details of her life in one composite sound. And it was like, like she could- Like spanning years? Sort? Her whole life, from the moment she was born huh. up until right now, mm -hmm. you know, that, that moment that I was speaking with her and I'm like, oh boy, she's having some trouble in her marriage. You know, I'm hearing, I'm hearing this right. in her voice. And, I, and for me, because I'd had other experiences um, opening to me with consciousness, I wasn't shocked. But I was like, you know, this is something very interesting. Mm. So I took that and then started having more experiences of that where I could talk to a person and I could, I could basically hear their whole life in their voice. And eventually what happened is it came down to, they could speak a sentence then it could be just one word. And then it was just hearing their breath and I could mm. hear the, the quality of their life basically. Mm. And I don't mean like picking out every single instance of, of your whole life, it you know. It take a whole life just to talk about that. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But the basic, basic, the quality. And then a few things would, would pop up. A friend of mine said, oh, wh what do you hear? You know, and I said, I can hear that you were, I mean, hearing, hearing an experience is really an interesting thing. So I'm hearing in the voice and I'm hearing that when this person was young, they were somehow involved with water and a log and, and it was like maybe life-threatening in some way. So something happened when you were younger. I'm just picking that up. I can hear it. And then of course it was, oh yeah, That's I had a log so roll on top of me down a river bank and I fell in the water and mm -hmm. all that, you know. So it was just different things like that, huh. you know. I can hear the, the qualities of joy, the qualities of sorrow, the mm -hmm. qualities of intellect, all of those things are all present in the voice. Has this merely been entertaining or has it had a practical significance for you? I think what it do has done for me is it, it has validated pretty much what I already would feel from someone. Mm -hmm. There's people that, you know, you've had the experience as well that you don't necessarily care to be around because they're not pleasant mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Just by merit of, of having these feelings, this kind of is an extra validation. Now this isn't something that's just developed. This has been an ongoing thing for, that's about two years. Mm. That was my first experience of, of hearing this. Mm -hmm. And then I had seeing, um, the tasting, the touching. Not, no, not knowing Meaning the what? life of something by touching it, oh. but there's this new experience in that this is how it all ties in. So my senses of the physiology, mm -hmm. you know, sight, hearing, taste, touch, smell, all these different things, have come together in a new experience for me that's really been quite interesting. I would say it's still in the infant stages of development, which is what happens. That's why we want to take care of our physiology so that we can keep having more and more experiences of consciousness. Once you have that initial opening, you know, a lot of people don't care about their body. They eat junk, they stay up all night long, they whatever, mm. you know, all this. I think there comes a point in a lot of people's lives, whether or not they're having any experience of opening of consciousness, that you realize that it's important to take care of the physiology. So you do, then you start resting more regularly or you know, more rest, more eating, more healthy and so forth, just because you want to live longer so that you can have more experiences. You care about your physiology, you care about your life. Yeah, I had a guy in here a couple months ago who said that when he had his awakening, 
back in the mid-90s or something, he started taking drugs afterwards, you know? And I, I was like, I'm thinking oh. to myself, is that genuine awakening? Why would he do that? And, he said, and he, his, it seemed to be genuine from everything he said in the course of the evening, and, but it was like, it didn't matter to him somehow. He felt sort of invincible or detached from it or whatever, he could yeah. do whatever he wanted. And, you know, I mean, it kind of contradicts a realization I had, which got me on the path of meditation in the first place. I was, I was 18 years old and I was, you know, taking drugs at the time, you know, as many 18-year-olds did in the <laughs> 60s. And I, but I was sitting there and I, it somehow, several ideas dawned on me, I won't elaborate, but one of, the key, one of the key ones was, I am stuck in this body. And if I abuse it, I'm gonna be stuck in a damaged body for the next, you know, right. many decades. Right. And so I thought, I better take care of it, you know, because I don't want to be stuck in a damaged body. I better start moving it in the other direction. Right. And that's been kind of a guiding principle. Yeah, yeah, yeah it is. Um, so, so by virtue of telling you of this experience of the hearing, the sound, what's happened is if you saw my first interview with Rick, I did speak about probably one of the biggest openings that I'd had in the beginning, which was standing on a porch, everything disappears. Everything disappears. I'm there with my senses. You know, my physiology is still there, even though I, I don't see it. I don't see any of the physical world at all. All relative life. Or hear, or touch, or smell, or... Yes, right. everything's gone. But I'm still experiencing. There's still something there. And I know that what I'm seeing, what I'm hearing, what I'm touching, the whole experience, there was something in that. And it's taken all this time for me to kind of come around full circle to that experience again in another regard. And that is that, in a sense, all of that has filled back in. Hmm. And what has filled in for me is knowing the connectedness that all of my senses have with wholeness, with that ultimate reality of what really is, what connects everything to itself. We experience it through our senses because we have a physiology. So there is an experience of the infinite, eternal essence of reality through the sense of sight, mm -hmm. through the sense of hearing, through the sense of taste, through the sense of touch. Mm -hmm. And what I've been in the infant stages of experiencing is how, how all of my senses connect to the eternal nature of what is. Hmm. How I describe it is, uh, there's many d different ways, but it's kind of like all the pieces of this puzzle are starting to fit together, but there really aren't any pieces to the puzzle. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just everything's, everything's starting to fit. I know that there's what's called levels of consciousness, but really, they're just descriptives of along the way to full awakening. Mm -hmm. You have an initial awakening where you realize that you're not just this body. There's something, something <clears throat> happens that's a permanent awareness, a permanent shift, like mm -hmm. you've said. What happens throughout time and experience with the physiology is that you have a broader experience of this truth, mm -hmm. this ultimate truth. So you'll experience 
saying your, your physiology, say, will fill the whole universe. Mm -hmm. That's an experience that I've had that's common with other people. You realize that your body doesn't stop here, goes all the way out, goes all the way out, 360. So you're experiencing this with your senses. The senses are your ultimate connection to the reality of experiencing consciousness as full, as whole, and complete without any disconnection between anything that is, exists on all, all the realms of consciousness, all the levels of consciousness, and your experience. So it's unique in that, for me, what I'd experienced before were just pieces of this complete connection with all. And this would include, you know, the celestial realm, you know, the relative, the absolute, the absolute meaning where the quantum field, say, for instance, where all springs right. from. The connection that I experience now is different than it was two months ago, a year ago, two years ago. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's filling in, <coughs> becoming... Probably different than it will be two months from now. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because even that, the, the clarity is what's going on now. Yeah. The clarity of my connection through the eternal nature of existence. Mm-hmm. So you've said that, in some respect, your experience now is still in its infancy. You've used the word infancy. Do you feel then that you are kind of somewhere between your initial awakening and a complete awakening that will probably happen at some point in the future? From what I've gleaned from reading and speaking with others, this is the beginnings of the clarity that brings you to a final state of enlightenment, Mm -hmm. meaning you can now say, yes, I'm fully enlightened, mm-hmm. and then you go from there. There is more. There's always more. There's <laughs> right. always, always more. Like, you know? the, like the TV commercials say. But wait, there's more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, there have been experiences where I thought, oh, well, this is it. You know, this mm-hmm. is it. You know, I'm fully engaged, you know, everything. I, I don't know everything, but it feels like I do. And then the whole thing turns inside out into mm-hmm. a whole new experience. Mm-hmm. And that's happened to me several times. This is this new new experience mm-hmm. that I'm having is totally different than anything, of course, again that I've ever mm-hmm. experienced. But there is a connectedness between my physiology, all of my senses, with the whole of creation. Mm-hmm. I know it. I feel it. I experience it. It doesn't go away. It's just, it's always there. Now, before, there was always that awareness was always there. There's an awareness. There's an awareness of the self, mm-hmm. you could say. There's awareness of, you know, one sense let's, or let's another. Let's probe that for a second. Because most people, when they say, I experienced this or I experienced that, I experienced a great restaurant, I experienced this great bo- baseball game, I experienced great sex or whatever, they're referring to kind of a, a very localized sense of individuality mm-hmm. that experiences things oh, I was at this cool party and I was doing this and I said this to him. They're referring, you know, really to a very specific space-time-bound physical entity that they regard themselves to be. When you say, I experienced this unfolding or I experienced that or whatever, what is your sense of I that uh, you're referring to in these experiences? I doesn't stop here. It's not Mm -hmm. the physical body. So who or what is experiencing the things that you are describing? All of, the, all of the physical senses. Which we all have. Which we all have. Yeah. So I experience you. Okay. 
with a complete sense of all of my senses. It's different than just a, a feeling or a knowing. There's a connection between my sight, my hearing, my sound, taste, touch. All the senses of, the, of this physiology experience you. Mm -hmm. They experience what's behind you, mm -hmm. what's in between you and what's behind you. So that, and between what's the physical body that is called Mary is, it's, it's quite abstract, but how I can describe it is that there's maybe what I could say is an embracing of all that is, that is all of you. And every particle of you and every particle of this table, of your watch, of the space in between us, our physical bodies mm -hmm. there, all contains in it the knowledge of the whole universe. Mm -hmm. So if you could extract any one little particle of consciousness, mm -hmm. you could look into it, and in it you would find all that was, all that is, and ever will be. Like so a hologram. It's, yes, it's, a ho it's of the whole, the whole existence of creation. And is this your sort of everyday run-of-the-mill experience of everything as you're shopping and driving your car and taking a shower and all that stuff? Is it always kind of in this context? Yeah, there's a totality there that mm -hmm. wasn't ever there before. There was a unification before yeah. where I could feel that I was one with. With is gone. So let's dwell on this again for a second. And you probably have a fairly good conception of what the average person ex experiences life like, or how you experienced it when you were 10 years old or yeah. 15 years yeah. old or whatever. Let's contrast what you would consider to be the ordinary way that people experience with what you just said. Let's run by it again and, and try to mm. make some contrast and comparison between the two. Okay, well I'm thinking of my grandson right now. Okay. And he's, he's like a just approaching a year old, yeah. Right. And it's all I, me, mine, like that Beatles song. Yeah, George you know? Harrison. Yep, it's it's all me mine and oh, all the Beatles actually wrote that. I think George me mine it, it is. It's right. me mine. Right. So you have that experience where you own everything, mm -hmm. and that's also you know as a child carrying that into adulthood could typify antisocial behavior where the world is my oyster, it's all mine anyway. Yeah. Well, there's a sense of that, but then of course you have the the psychological boundaries where you know that this building is not mine mm -hmm. and the streets aren't but I'm experiencing it. There's a kind of a separation for the average person. For the average person yeah. it's just me and everything else and I am this living breathing thing and some people are so unconscious in a sense that they're not even really aware of their body. They're barely in their body. You hear even doctors say that. You know. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of a line from Good Morning Vietnam where Robin Williams was woken up early in the morning to go on that radio show and he's kind of like dragging himself <laughs> into the studio and he said, he said, I'm not even in my body. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're just barely conscious, you know, just functioning, you yeah. know. I can see that in people, mm -hmm. you know. I can see, you know, somebody driving in a car and they just look like, you checked know. Out. Yeah, they're checked yeah. out. Forgive them, Father, they know not what they do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's it. And, and for them, that's their normal, that homeostasis. This, mm -hmm. is, this is me, this is, you know, my name is this, and I live here, and yeah. I, all those things. And at one point in your life, that was probably your experience, right? Yeah. More or less. Mine, yeah. It was mine, more or yeah. less, I would say. Yeah. And then you 
you get this tickle that there's a little more. There's more than, there's gotta be more than this. You know, there's just got to be. So you experience whatever it is that you think can get you to, to open up mm -hmm. or to, to get more. You mm -hmm. know, you want more. I mean, that's the natural state, I think, of a human being mm -hmm. in regard to evolution is you just want more. Once you get a taste of it, then that's when the seeking really begins, yeah. I believe. You have this hunger for more because it's the natural state of man is to be fully conscious evolving, yeah. and evolving, yes. And I believe that just by merit of being alive in a physical body, some evolution does take place throughout your lifespan, mm -hmm. whether it be two weeks or you know, 100 years. Some would say that's why we're here and, and therefore, mm -hmm. whether we know it or not, that's what's happening. You know, and, yeah. and that's ultimately the sum total of what we take out of this life is whatever evolution we have achieved. Yeah. So we stay healthy and, and we do what we can. Now I think there, for me, uh, it seems that there came a point when through my attention and through my intention, just by being aware of those, those two things, that there's just a spontaneous unfoldment that mm -hmm. just occurs. I know one of, the, one of the things that we've said in other groups of friends that we've been in and, and speaking about consciousness is check in on it. You know, is it there? Because I remember those days when I first realized that I was awake, that, you know, you, it kind of like comes and goes, it vacillates, yeah. it's, it's like in the foreground, it's in the background, where is it? And you this know? it you're referring to is, this, is a sort of silent field of awareness. That awareness, that, it's, big. Know, it's big. It's <laughs> big and it's silent and it's subtle. Uh, yes. At least initially, and initially. Um, and so it's easily overlooked. If there's a lot of other stuff impinging, and it's mm -hmm. kind of in the background, you don't even notice. You forget about it. Right. Yeah. So check in, check mm -hmm. in on it, and see if it's still there. Yeah. And of course, in the beginning, it's so much fun because you keep checking in. You know. Do you do? There it yeah, is. Yeah. <laughs> there it is. How about that? It didn't go away. <laughs> and then there comes a point when you don't need to check in anymore it's just there all the time it's right. A, it's right here yeah. you know and, and, and you just look yeah I try and make it go away. you look through it maybe that's why this fellow was doing drugs trying maybe. to make it go away i've heard people try to say that they say well i'm gonna see if i can obliterate this nope won't go away funnily enough i think even through the death of the physical body it doesn't go away no there's just a you know shift from this level of awareness to another. In fact, if the near-death experience people are to be believed, it, it comes to the forefront with the death of the body. It's like, whoa, okay, that's what I am. I'm you know? much bigger than, yeah. <laughs> than I thought I was. Yeah, a lot of people that have had no prior spiritual experiences of any sort except for, you know, who knows whatever, yeah. have this huge opening. Because they're sort of forced through that trauma to disassociate from the body, to break that conviction that they are the body. Yeah. You know, well, wait a minute, my body died and, and I didn't, mm -hmm. so I must not be the body. Yeah, <laughs> the that's, convincing a, that's lesson. great. I'm not the body. Yeah. And, and, you know, there comes a point when you realize that you're not the body, but when you realize that the body is what allows you to experience consciousness, then there's that appreciation and of course that intention that here I am and also there I am. Mm. There's a uh, more of a connection that happens where the senses flood out and fill all levels of creation. Elaborate you, on that. I remember when I first experienced this and, and it might be helpful for people to talk about the experiences even though it's the knowledge that comes with that is the most valuable. Sure maybe about five years ago, four years ago, 
I felt something happening in my physiology. And as, as uh, you may recall, usually when there's a, another shift happening for me, I kind of feel it coming, you know. Mm -hmm. I, it's like it's kind of like feeling a sneeze coming on. Only it can take days, weeks, couple months, sometimes, mm. um, maybe even longer. This one I'm currently going through. It's been kind of coming like a tide, you know. It's coming yeah. a little, coming a little, and right. finally it's coming. I felt something going on in my, you know, my awareness, and I'm like trying to feel around somewhere, f see what's going on, and. It was stirring. There's stirring going on in my spiritual self. I can feel something's something's changing. Mm, the something's baby's changing. kicking. <laughs> yeah, oh boy. <laughs> yeah. So here I am, pregnant with this experience. Right. I'm trying to recall. I mean, it's been a while. Lots in between. I recall. I think I woke up in the middle of the night, and everything, all my senses of my physiology, were all as though they were stuffed with cotton, hmm. all muted. Everything was muted. So I laid awake the rest of the night, you know, it was probably two or three hours before it became daylight, and I got up, and I was walking around like I was in this vacuous, quiet, very quiet place. Hmm. And I didn't quite know what was, what was going on. New experience. For three days this went on, all day long, all through the night. I didn't sleep. I also didn't eat. I didn't drink any water. I had, I believe, two of my girls were at home at the time, still living at home. So I cooked dinner, fed everybody, sat at the table with an empty plate. Were you talking to people? If I needed to, yeah. but but really not. I was so internal. It was right. just amazing. I mean, I was still, yeah, I'm conscious, but something's going on, and I'm yeah. not quite yeah. sure. And they all understood, you know, yeah. that you know something's something's happening. And I was trying to figure it out. I was trying to grab a hold of it, trying to find it, trying to trying to understand it. Mm -hmm. There came a point when I started having an experience of something other than this muted, quiet, silent three days of like, what the heck, you know, mm -hmm. is going on. I felt like I kind of had a visual thing going on with, with this. I felt like I was standing in the middle of one of these big fissures in the middle of a glacier. Because mm. it was kind of white, it was kind of blue. I mean, I'm having this quality of stillness and total silence. It mm -hmm. must be quiet in there. I don't know if I've ever been in one. Oh, I mean, I haven't in this lifetime, yeah, but, imagine, yeah. but I've seen photographs, right. and that's, that's how I could relate this to, that I was standing in the middle of this. And then as I'm realizing that, I started lifting out of that. My awareness was coming up out of that, and when I did, it was like all of my senses became alive again and enlivened mm -hmm. with something new, something different. So this is a whole new experience for me. And as I'm, I felt like coming out of this, coming through, coming out, however it was, it was like all of my senses reached through out the whole universe. Hmm. My sight, my hearing, my touch, everything, it was like it all filled in with my senses, mm -hmm. all, of, all of what I could possibly be aware of. Does that mean you're like seeing a lot of galaxies and stuff? Oh and yeah, yeah, yeah. Like floating around. Yeah, total connection with mm -hmm. all of the planets, all of the stars, 
mm -hmm. all the way out, you know, and I always say all the way out because it's an experience of infinity in a sense mm -hmm. that there's a lot more than what we can see. I mean, we know that from Hubble, right. you know, yeah, sure. they zoom in on the a black Hubble deep spot. space field. It's like this little tiny point at arm's length and you're seeing, you know, billions, billions of, galaxies. of galaxies in that little point. <laughs> yeah. So it's like that. If you could stand at the furthest most edge of one of those galaxies and do that again, It'd it would more. still, it just goes on and on. And, you know, physicists are examining this, thinking mm. there's, there's more levels to creation mm. than just what we can see. And sure enough, you know, they'll figure it out. Mm -hmm. They just need instruments fine enough or refined enough thinking that they can actually figure out mm. how, to, how to quantify it. Well, it's interesting because I've always thought of spiritual development as a scientific experiment in which our scientific instrument is this nervous system, mm. which is a far more sophisticated instrument than any telescope that's ever been built, if we mm. just knew how to use it properly. And, you know, so you're kind of an example of someone who's really using that instrument to do some interesting exploration. Yeah, because as far out as you can see, you can also see in huh. far. In meaning in small, like teeny tiny mi atoms and molecules, or in, in, a yeah. in a different sense? You can go that way too, where mm -hmm. you can see introspect into the physiology. Mm -hmm. And the further in you go, the bigger it gets, which is mm. kind of funny to say, but... Uh -huh you know, the, the space in between the atoms and the molecules is vast. Oh yeah, I mean, I've seen you know, films, uh, documentaries depicting that. Yeah. So as you look out into the stars at night, you can look into the body mm -hmm. and go just as far, just as far, which isn't infinite, you know, because yeah. if you take any of the space in between any of those atoms and divide it in half, you can divide those in half and those mm -hmm. in half and just keep going that way. It's interesting. I mean, I don't want to get you off on a tangent if you haven't wrapped up. There's, there's a number of beautiful thoughts that keep coming. We could, we could spend like a half an hour on yeah, each one. So, yeah. so feel free to, um, to sort of steer the course as we go here so I don't take you off on tangents if you yeah, haven't really de developed something. Because I, I, I do have another question. But, go ahead. Go well, ahead. should I or do you want to? Yeah, no, go ahead. Okay. You know, I know you've been done a lot of meditation over the years and, and so on, a lot of spiritual practices. But these days, you know, you don't really do much of any formal spiritual practice, to my knowledge. And yet, this thing has a life of its own. There's like this momentum going, mm -hmm. which is just kind of like automatic and, and very powerful and, and, you know, very significant progress and, and unfoldment is taking place. But it's, it's just like on autopilot now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like I'm constantly in meditation. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it's no different. If I, if I close my eyes and do the techniques that I was taught mm -hmm. initially, it's the same whether my eyes are open or if they're closed. Right. Um, there was a fellow came up to me uh, backstage at one of the shows at mm -hmm. the Civic Center, and he said, I saw your interview, mm -hmm. and he said it was great. I'm just kind of, I, I've got all these questions, but I don't know what to ask you, you know? <laughs> and I said, well, let me ask you a question. When you practice meditation and you have the experience of what's called transcending, which is becoming aware of awareness, basically, I said, do you transcend anymore? And his eyes just got big and filled up with an openness. They filled with openness. He said, why no, I don't. And I said, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he just, he couldn't say anything. He just stood there and it was like a Mahavakya for him. Mm. It was like, 
oh, I get it, I get it. I, I don't transcend anymore because I, I am. I'm, right. I'm transcending out. I'm aware of awareness here and when my eyes are closed. So it's that, yeah. that experience. I could say that too, but from, and I don't want to get off on a whole tangent about whether people should meditate or not, but in my experience, you know, meditation is still relevant because it's like this kind of really focused healing time. I feel like I'm sitting there and, you know, you've talked about how the physiology, we want to take care of it because it's the vehicle which allows us to unfold all this. I, I feel like I'm just really fine-tuning, you know, and devoting some time exclusively to that. And I can just feel like, you know, things clearing out in my brain and in, or in my emotional center or whatever, just garbage. And then by the end of it, uh, everything's a lot more fine-tuned, you know. Yeah. It's like an analog radio where, you, you know, you just need to keep turning the dial Fine tune it. Yeah, get it right yeah. on the station so there's no static. Yeah, I mean there's obviously many people that have woken up without doing any techniques, yeah, you know. Absolutely. Yeah. Babies in the crib, which I mentioned in the first interview, I mean it happens. You huh. don't necessarily need a technique. I've thought on and off that it's just a blessing, you know, you get this this opening and then it just rolls and rolls and rolls. Yeah, um, well Amma's a case in point, you know, Amachi, she, yes. uh, in her girlhood and so on, she was meditating all the time and doing kind of real intensive practices and stuff. And then at a certain point, it just wasn't necessary anymore for her. But nonetheless, I'm sure her experience has continued to evolve and oh, unfold, yeah. you know. Yeah. I mean, she's alive, therefore it is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that connectedness that, that one experiences in a, a higher state of consciousness is really fulfilling. I mean, mm. that's why they call it fulfillment. Mm. There's there's something there that is it's so beautiful, and as gentle as it is, it's also very powerful. Yeah. I mean, if you're connected with all that is throughout creation with all of your senses, you know that means that you're also connected with God. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about God a little bit, and he also mentioned the word celestial. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about those things for a few minutes, and you know, what your experience of describe what you mean by celestial perception, or and also what your feeling or perception of God is at this stage of the game. I guess I'll start with another experience that I had that allowed me to understand the celestial realms. I've seen different things throughout my life, spirits coming and going, you know, and not really talk to people about it because sometimes it was frightening, sometimes it was like, wow, you know, look at this. If you've never talked to anyone about those experiences, you're afraid to because you haven't heard anybody else talk about them, right, you know, so. Think nuts or something. Well, yeah, yeah, like, <laughs> hi there, you know. <laughs> I was in bed one night, again, about five years ago, maybe, <clears throat> and it felt like something just grabbed me by my whole heart and <clears throat> pulled me up. It was like, you need to see this, sit up. Did you literally and sit up? I sat bed? up. Right. It, well, something it felt like something pulled me up right. and it was wonderful. It wasn't scary at all. And I'm sitting up and I'm open, I open my eyes. The whole room is filled with all these beings. Mm. And I'm like, what in the world is going on? I mean, this sounds pretty far out, but yeah. it's my experience. Yeah, we should, I mean, people have these experiences. We should talk about it. Yeah, so I'm, I know that I'm seeing something here that I'm supposed to know, I'm supposed right. to understand for a reason. You're gonna tell us what kind of beings these were? Absolutely benevolent, wonderful, 
beautiful human-like human-like spirits not in real fine detail mm -hmm. you know male female both okay. both A mixture yeah and it almost like no delineation between male and female but the overall feeling of this one or this one or this one more male more mm. female whatever but yeah. all very present and something interesting that connected me in a, in a sense with understanding the, the celestial realm is that the knowledge that I got from the experience there's more to the experience than just that but through looking at this just absolutely packed full and knowing that didn't stop in this room mm -hmm. the bedroom it went all the way out again more this all the way out yeah packed full from from here all the way hmm. my understanding was that I couldn't exist without their existence, mm -hmm. but also they could not exist without my existence. They're part of, of what upholds and maintains all of creation. Mm -hmm. You know, you hear of the woodland elves that take care of the babbling brooks and the trees right. and the flowers, and yeah, they do. But they also take care of us. Mm -hmm. But by virtue of us just appreciating what is, we take care of them. Hmm. So without them, we wouldn't exist and with and vice versa yes goes both ways so that was that big tidbit of knowledge that I got from that well were they there specifically to communicate something to you or have some influence on you or would it be true to say that everybody all six billion people in the world if they could see it would see a crowd in their bedroom every night yep yeah Seems like yeah. there's more of them than there are of us then, you know? There's a whole gang in your bedroom and there's only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's interesting. interesting. <laughs> what it showed me, again, through that knowledge is the connectedness that, that we have with all that is. It's that, that ripple effect, you could say. If you're laughing, the whole universe is laughing. If mm -hmm. you're crying, the universe is crying. You don't cry alone, is that popular saying, right. laugh in the world Some laughs song, with yeah. you, cry and you cry alone, it's right. not true. But it must be that there was something special going on there. They must have been aware that you were aware of them, which oh, yeah. ordinarily yeah. is not the case with people. Yeah, there was an exchange going on, definite exchange that I, I was very aware of. Mm -hmm. And something interesting about it, earlier I was talking about how I could take one point oh. off of the, out of you or the air or the table or anything and in that contains the whole knowledge mm -hmm. of everything that ever was is and will be it's mm -hmm. all there all the information is in every point of creation if you can unpack it yeah and that's that's part of that cohesive quality of creation that keeps the planets from crashing into each other even though they do the thing that orchestrates all what i understood from this experience was that connected of say say you're one and there's one next to you and there's one next to you and there's one next to you one what person one celestial being oh they're all fully aware of everything that you are thinking feeling tasting touching mm -hmm. all of that they're all aware of each other they're all saying something different they all have a different job mm -hmm. but they are all in that same token like that one little particle all aware of each other all the way out again <clears throat> and that's unlike part people who tend to get more insular huh you're mm -hmm. saying that the, they're kind of aware of the connectedness all the time yeah they're aware of each other so a celestial being that is standing next to you is also aware of everyone hmm. all the way throughout the whole 
celestial realm. They're all aware of each other. Continuously and simultaneously. Yes. That's interesting because, I mean, I remember people asking Maharishi about omniscience, and he said, no, you have to have a celestial nervous system to have omniscience. Human nervous systems can know any, any one thing at a time, but mm. if you want to know everything at once, you've got to have a celestial nervous system. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Even though I consider that experience a celestial experience, I don't believe I have a celestial nervous system. I have the perception. No, because you to, weren't saying you did know everything. Right. Every, uh, I have the perception to be able to see that and to understand yeah. it. And yeah. it's the understanding that is really the strong point of all of it. Is the is knowing that the connectedness that <clears throat> any part of my physiology, which also goes all the way out in my consciousness, mm -hmm. my <laughs> body doesn't stop here. It just keeps going. That, that connectedness with wholeness is fully present always, eternally. <clears throat> so that's why I believe that when the physical body stops functioning, that the awareness that we have is still fully present mm -hmm. and, and just <clears throat> keeps functioning in that regard. The individual might be gone, but the consciousness, the awareness is always always there. Nothing can destroy it, like Einstein's theory, right. you know? Well, is the individual really gone, or is it, is it just that the individual, the grosser vehicle of the individual is gone, but there's still some subtle vehicle that defines this individual as opposed to that individual? Yeah, the quality. That, yeah, and that, that subtle vehicle maybe gets reincarnated in another gross body later on or something. Yeah, the quality of Rickiness will still be Rick after. Yeah. Because there's thought forms that you have, there's energy that you have, mm -hmm. and that's all, all part of that, that whole thing that makes you an individual. Well, and also if you think of this whole endeavor of living as an evolutionary journey where we're just you know, acquiring or rising to higher and higher levels of knowledge, understanding, and so on, it'd be a shame if the whole thing just ended with death and, you know, it's like, what do we do, start all over again, or is that the end of it, or what? <laughs> like a, a cartoon I once saw, the guy was standing on the street looking at a, a sign of a bank. It said, first reincarnation bank. You can't take it with you, so leave it with us until you return. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, we, we take our chips, we cash them in, and we pick them up again next time and keep playing. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> uh, so back to these celestial beings, if, if it doesn't seem to be too tangential. What do they actually do? I mean, you, you mentioned they kind of help to run the universe, but you made it sound like they, they just kind of stand around in people's bedrooms. I mean, what are they, oh, no. what are they doing on a day-to-day -day basis I to think that, earn that, their keep, so that, Yeah, I think that whole thing was, you know, they all have a job. They right. all have something, something going on, someone to watch over, mm -hmm. something to do. I think that it was just, you know, that brief moment where I was allowed to understand through my vision mm. what actually is going on. Now, it's not the only level of the celestial realms. There's more levels to that as well. Mm. There's the really big guys and the really little guys. And, uh -huh. and there's Have you had glimpses of those? Well, the biggest I've seen has probably been about 40, 40 feet tall, huh. maybe 50. What's the significance of big in this regard? Bigger responsibilities? Bigger, bigger jobs, yeah, bigger responsibilities, yeah. yeah. Because somebody's got to be watching over the galaxy. Right. Or and I imagine that wouldn't be a 40-foot guy. That would be a, a real big guy. Probably even bigger. <laughs> I can yeah. imagine. Yeah. And when I saw those, I was like, I was driving. And 
I could see something up, and it was yeah. it was twilight, you know. And I'm looking, and I, I looked under, then looked again. Uh -huh. and I was like, "There's four of them. They're standing there." And it's like, "What are they doing?" You know, it's like they're doing their job. Well, I imagine that a lot of these experiences <laughs> that people report of aliens showing up in their bedrooms at night could be this. It's not necessarily guys that came in spaceships. It could be How that they're tuning know. into some celestial. Thing. Yeah. Well, mm -hmm. these weren't weren't guys from a spaceship, no. you know, for sure, and. Um, I've had more of that where I've seen seen the whole room filled, other rooms that I've been in. How about nasty ones? I mean, if you're in some negative place or something like that, do you ever see the blue meanies? Or? I have, but I don't put my attention there mm -hmm. because what you put your attention on can grow. Yeah. So my general guideline is, is if I see anything that is just like a person, you know, that you don't want to be around, you just ignore yeah. them or, or whatever. I mean everybody's beautiful in some way right so even these these guys you know um, only a mother could love <laughs> yeah yeah I guess but you know they have their jobs too and yeah. you know it's not something that I care to dwell yeah. on I can acknowledge that presence just enough to acknowledge mm. it and then put my attention elsewhere so it's not I you know I never thought I'd be talking about this That's but right. <laughs> you never know where these things are gonna go yeah, yeah. Now I'm kind of sure. thinking of Ghost with Demi Moore and Patrick Swayze. Remember that? Oh, that was a beautiful story. Yeah, interesting yeah, movie. Yeah. How about the big guy himself? I mean, how about you know God, who, who, whatever that may be. I mean, what has been your experience so far of that level of creation? It's like I'm looking, and I think that there's a little recognition. Mm -hmm but not enough that I can say I've looked into the face of God. Right. But I think that's where this heads. Hmm. You know, it's not God consciousness that's different. This is, this is totally different. Oh. And I was going to ask that, because you hear, especially in the TM world, you have cosmic consciousness, God consciousness, unity consciousness. I kind of used to understand God consciousness as meaning you really actually experience God, you know? whatever God is. So if, if that's not what God consciousness is, what is God consciousness and what would it have to be to really experience God? I think God consciousness according to, you know, our little... TM yeah. cosmology. Yeah, is, is more being aware that God exists mm -hmm. in all things, mm -hmm. that he can help to create, maintain, you know, yeah. everything. Not just conceptually, but some kind of perceptually Maybe not even perception, it's just more of an appreciation, I think, yeah. of, of that. Marcia always talked of it in terms of celestial perception, seeing kind of the subtle value of the relative world, yeah. which I suppose you're alluding, you're discussing here. I mean, yeah. having these subtle perceptions. Yeah, but mm -hmm. I think it's, I've been through that stage. Golden glasses, the whole deal. Yeah, yeah, I've been yeah. through that stage. So that's, this is more complex, more complete. Mm -hmm. It's just totally different. Same with, with uh, what we call unity, yeah. you know, that, like I said, the one with. Mm -hmm. You're one with everything, and then the with drops off, and there's just a one. Mm. There's just a oneness. The experience for me, even though still new, the easiest way I can describe it is all of those points of creation that are full of themselves creation. They're all packed full. It's being aware of all of those all of that in terms of wholeness, in terms of a, the whole picture. The whole picture is here, the whole picture is here, the whole picture is here. And I had an experience of this probably about seven years ago where a lot of my experiences are visual, so I'm, 
again <coughs> meditated, got up out of meditation, and I'm sitting there, and I see this in my mind's eye, this huge golden egg, and I'm like, you know, and it's, and it's floating out in space somewhere, you know, where I don't know. In just part of a second, the whole thing collapsed into one point. And as soon as it got to that one point, it exploded into billions of points of light filling the whole universe. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at this, and understand, I'm understanding what I'm seeing. Didn't know what, but, but this is how visually I'm, I'm seeing this. And every single point, no matter where I looked at any of these points of light, was the center of the universe. Hmm. So I'm seeing this, and I'm understanding what I'm looking at. So then comes along another realization through scientific discovery of the Big Bang and how it happened in like just a fraction of a second. And I'm like, huh, I think that's what I might have witnessed, you know. Huh a birth of a, of a universe, maybe. Not necessarily the one that happened to our universe 14 billion years ago, but... Don't know. Huh. Don't know. There wasn't a calendar along with it. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting. So, so it's hard to say. Yeah. I mean, I suppose that a lot of things happened that you were hard to categorize or clearly define. They're just like these fascinating, interesting things that are developing. Yeah, I'm just shown this, and I'm fascinated with it. So I've got a strong sense of science. I love yeah, science. Me too. So, I'm, so I read the, some of the journals and uh, there's one fellow, Max Tegmark, who I've had a dialogue back and forth with mm -hmm. and he talks about the universes being like bubbles. You know, here's a universe and then there's one right next to it and then another one. So, mm -hmm. so I wrote to him and I Kinda said... Like frog eggs. Yeah. So I said, how about, how about if all the universes intersect like a Venn diagram would? Mm -hmm. Venn diagram is, it's used in logic, but it's also used in science, where here's a whole universe, say, and mm -hmm. you, you represent it by a circle, and here's another universe represented by another circle. Well, they intersect somehow, somewhere, they all intersect with each other, all the universes that are possible, mm -hmm. however many that could be. When I wrote back to him, you know, I said, I proposed that to him. I said, how about if they all intersect? That's my experience. You know, I'm walking through many universes all at once, including my own, that, mm. I'm, that I'm aware of on this level. And he just didn't know what to make of it. Hmm. So he's thinking about it, okay. you know, he's yeah. thinking about it. So I'm wondering if he'll come up with some hypothesis of multiple universes that actually intersect with each other instead of just, yeah. you know, don't, they don't interact with each other. I believe that they totally interact. That's my experience anyway. Whenever you have an ex a new experience, do you feel an imperative to try to figure out what its significance is for you? Do you feel like there must be a reason I'm having this and it's my obligation to you know, come up with that reason mm -hmm. to understand why, why I'm having this? Or do you sort of feel like it's sufficient to just say, well, that's cool, and move on to the next one? Well, it's like when I have an experience, I know there's something that will become clear to me mm -hmm. either during the experience, after the experience, or, you know, at some point down the road I'll go, oh, yeah, I understand that now because mm -hmm. of another experience that I have or an understanding that I'll have. And I think these days pretty much what happens is I have an experience and at the same time I understand it and I have knowledge with it. It's all together in all one. It happens at once. Yeah, it all happens yeah. at once. So I'm not wondering what's And that just this? happens spontaneously. You don't have to work at it. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah, I just understand it. Yeah. Now, the hard thing for me, because I'm not intellectual to the point where, you know, I can write better than I can speak. Mm. That's, it's <clears throat> always easier for me to write. So I write a lot of things down. Mm -hmm. And through that, I get a clearer understanding. But the clarity that I have pretty much is there along with the experience. Now, being able to, to get it into words, you know, yeah. I have this huge experience going on. Mm -hmm. And to try to vocalize it for me sometimes is very difficult. It's a Thanks. good practice to try, I think. Oh, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, this, what's been going on now for the last several weeks, um, it's probably been maybe a month and a half. I mean, that's the thing. The time, time is just kind of yeah. erased in a sense. I did write it down briefly, and with writing it, then my understanding gets more clear. The experience is fully there. I've got this awareness. I know what it is. But then I'm trying to tell you, I'm trying to describe it to you mm -hmm. in words. And maybe if I read all sorts of Vedic texts or something, I could say, oh, well, it's this and this and this. Right, this yeah. and, and you, you understand that intellectually or you experience this. Mm -hmm. And uh, I don't have that. I mean, I was thinking that a few minutes ago when you were talking about sort of different stages and levels and so on. I was thinking there is, there is a natural tendency, at least in me, to want to kind of categorize things. Want to know and, where you yeah, are. Yeah, exactly. What's going on? You know, I mean, what, <laughs> what's the whole realm of possibilities? And where am I? At oh, what boy. stage am I on that, on that, you know, pr on that progression? Yeah. And, you know, personally, I, I couldn't say. But, but there have been, you know, for thousands of years, there have been people who have dedicated their lives to trying to create that roadmap. But it's funny because different cultures have created different roadmaps and people have made attempts to try to intersect the roadmaps to figure out, you know, to what extent they correlate and correspond. Oh, yeah. And, you know, and then there are people who say it's a whole new ball game, you know, and that the enlightenment of 2000 years ago is not totally adequate to uh, explain what's happening now in this postmodern culture. Oh, you know, I don't know about that. I don't know. I think it's. I think they're talking about the same thing. If you read um, Rumi, if you read um, Nisargadatta, I mean all these. I yeah. mean some of them are older. I mean even even Socrates, Plato. You know mm -hmm. they would allude to consciousness in in a way in their writings. If you have that consciousness, you can see it right away. You can go, holy cow! Look at that! Look at yeah, that! That's you what know I'm saying, yeah. they're alluding to that, but but maybe their experience wasn't clear enough to be able to really vocalize it, you know? Or the translator's experience wasn't very clear. That's I mean, true, you too. Because all this stuff is filtered through translators who may have having a clue what the guy yeah. was actually talking but about. But you can get a taste of it. And, and it's funny because I can read passages in books or pick up a book and leaf through it, and, I'll go, and, and it's about being awake, you know, and I'll read it, and I'm like, whoever wrote this wasn't awake, you know? <laughs> <laughs> you can just, you can yeah. just tell, like, you can feel it. It's like, this is not truth, you know, this is, mm. this is speculation, this is intellect, intellectualization, you know. And there's plenty of that out there, but there's also plenty of truth out there as well. Yeah, seek and you shall find. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And I'm, you know, been raising kids for, you know, the last 20 some odd years, so, you know, my time to read has been very brief. Right. So, even though that goal was always there. When I finally started awakening, you know, my children were very, very excited about it, you know, because yeah. I was telling them all about it. It's like, okay, I'm going to tell you because you need to know this because you might be experiencing it. And sure enough, you know. Mm. 
So you're saying you you have three daughters, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, and they're all pretty appreciative of of what you have to say to them. Yeah, it's kind of neat because two of them are looks like they're awake, uh -huh. and we talk about it. And one of them's having really wonderful experiences, and she says, "Mom, it just keeps getting bigger and more." And mm. and you know, and she's all excited about it. But she's in school right now college, mm -hmm. so she doesn't have time to really think about it, doesn't have time to talk about it much. She's just focused on her studies, which is what I want her to be. Yeah. But when she comes home, we'll take some time to ourselves, mm. and, and we do talk, and it's really wonderful. Maybe we should have the two of you on, or the three of you sometime. Oh, that'd be fun. That'd be, that'd be fun. Yeah, they're pretty shy about it, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. And, you know, they're in, in their own lives and experiencing, and for them, mm -hmm. it's a natural mm -hmm. state. So what's there to talk about? This is who I am. I know who I am. Blah blah blah. You know, like yeah. That. But there is a lot to talk about if you if you kind of unfold it. I mean, there's a whole kind of group of people in the spiritual scene oh, these yeah. days. What I was gonna say is there's, there's a whole group that sort of say, I mean, they talk endlessly, but they also they all talk they always talk about the one thing, which is just basically you wake up, and after that there's nothing more to say. And all this talk about progress and strata and further development and all that is a crock because it's all, all there is to it is you know who you are and that's the end of it. Personally, I find, well, how can they say that? You know, are they stuck? I mean, because I know so many people for whom there's this continual unfoldment even though they've clearly experienced what these folks are talking about, uh, but that's mm -hmm. like the foundation. Yeah, a lot of people uh, wake up and they get so excited and they get so engrossed in that mm -hmm. that that's that's where they they kind of they plateau out there. Yeah, and there's almost this arrogance actually that is dismissive of people who do talk of further development and strata. It can and, happen. And higher and lower and this and that and you know it's like because they, they there's this sort of fundamentalism or this sort of attitude that you know we've got the answer here and this is all there is to it and anything else is just complication people are just indulging in yeah and and then maybe maybe or maybe not they'll have you know further openings for the development but I, I understand where you are I've, I've heard and seen videos of others you know and it's yeah. just like you know I wish for them that they have more fulfillment you know they they think that's fulfillment but oh boy you know <laughs> there's a lot and the, the really cool thing about that that I'm reminded of um, to mention again is that People have your phys you have a different physiology than me. I mean, obviously you're male. I'm not male. I'm <laughs> female, and so that's that's the beginning of the differences in our ph physiology. Well, then there's also the subtler levels of your physiology that can maintain a certain level of consciousness, mm -hmm. and based on that physiology, your experience of consciousness can be totally different than mine, mm. but then there's those common little threads. I mean, I've had some experiences that people say, God, I wish I had that, mm -hmm. but then I'll see other people or talk to other people that are having certain experience that I would love to have as well. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that I have to have that in order to be fulfilled, but I'm I'm looking at it like that's really cool, you know, that would be that would be pretty neat. But yeah. you know, but I'm I'm satisfied with what I have and what I know. And if it stops here, that's fine. I've said that all along, you know, if mm -hmm. it stops here I'm fine, but I know that it doesn't. Mm -hmm. And for me at least that progression just continues. And I think the important thing is again that intention and the attention to mm. your experience. Because if you take your eye off the ball, you know, it doesn't keep rolling. 
Yeah, I mean, if you get totally caught up in other stuff, uh, then you know, it, it sort of atrophies. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I just went through, um, uh, I wouldn't call it a, a health problem, but my physiology was, was doing something that mm -hmm. uh, wasn't allowing me to have a full experience of yeah. what I knew that I was having. So I took care of it. Took a few months to straighten things out and get everything cleared up and, and fine. And now mm. now my experience is deepening and broadening continual, mm. continually. And I think that with my awareness now of the attention and intention, I'd be surprised if I didn't continue to experience more, more knowledge, mm -hmm. you know, more connection with, with wholeness. On the other hand, you know, it's like we're all going to get old and, you know, we may have strokes or we may get somewhat senile or whatever and eventually we're going to die. And I don't find that discouraging in, the, in light of what you were just saying about needing to have a finely tuned physiology because I, I don't know, maybe it's just a belief, maybe I'm just optimistic, but I, it's like I was saying earlier, it's like, you know, you're putting money in the bank uh, mm -hmm. as, you, as you grow in, in consciousness or in spiritual development. And even if this, this vehicle no longer be, is up to the task, you know, at a certain point, 80, 90 years old or whatever, <laughs> you know, it's an ongoing journey. I, I really feel that. I mean, it's, you know, I mean, there are many cultures which have said just that, uh, and others would dispute it and say, oh, you're just... You're just fantasizing. You're just, it's just wishful thinking because you want to have a sense of uh, immortality. I don't know. For me, there's a kind of a certainty mm -hmm. about it that actually, in a way, it, it eliminates fear of death and fear of aging and so on. Yeah. I mean, I think I think no matter how developed you are spiritually, because you're human, because you have a physiology, you do have a fear of death. I mean, it's the self-preservation that, that would kick in, you know. Yeah, I mean, if somebody came into the room with a gun, we'd be, our, our adrenaline would start to of go and, and so on and so forth. But in, in terms of the, in our calmer moments, the bigger picture things, some people, you know, have a dread in their calmer moments because if, if they think this is all I am and this is going to end, and oh my God, you know. I remember reading once that Raymond Burr, who played Perry Mason, mm -hmm. was so afraid of death that on his deathbed he, he forced himself to sit up for several days and, and not allow himself because he was because he didn't want to die. Well, he did, probably hastened it, but he you know he didn't he was fighting it because he was terrified of, of you know letting go. Yeah. Whereas you know I've been through that. You personally? Mm-hmm. When? Yeah. Um, when I was probably in high school. Yeah. You know, I'd get these fear rushes like, oh my God, one day I'm not going to breathe anymore. And that was the localized self saying, ah. But I've heard it said, you know, by various spiritual teachers that <clears throat> if you've sort of dealt with this whole thing in the right way, impending death can actually be a joyous occasion, you know, rather than a fearful one that, you know, because you're actually sort of moving on in, in the adventure to a whole new mm. phase. It'll oh yeah, I mean, to be relieved of the mortal coil I've read one person's experience just quite recently. I was at my father-in-law's house celebrating his 91st birthday. Mm -hmm. And there was a, a book that was on the bookcase about near-death experiences. And it's funny that I read exactly what someone had told me about. Someone was in Europe, got food poisoning, just mm -hmm. so sick. They couldn't even, couldn't even raise their hand up to reach the telephone to call somebody. Wow. They knew they were dying, mm -hmm. and they couldn't do a thing about it. Mm. So, 
they died. Left the body, went zooming off and, you know, did, did the whole thing out there with uh, going to the light, and, light yeah, and seeing relatives that had passed before and all this. But then there was a point when you're kind of told to, no, you're not done, you have to go back. Right. Well, this person's experience and the person's experience that I read was that coming back into the physical body was like crawling back into a cold lump of clay. <laughs> you know, so, so the freedom that yeah. we have without the physical body is very uplifting. You know, so often I've heard when people are at that moment when they're leaving their physical body, they smile. Mm. They, you know, they're, they're happy, they're free, you know, yeah. and, and it shows. It shows in the face, mm -hmm. so. Or so if you're in a lot of pain, I don't know if that's the case. Maybe. Could be a relief, yeah. I mm -hmm. haven't, haven't attended. We could go on for another hour trying to understand what you mean, like your body fills the universe, because people are going to say, what does that mean? Her liver's on the moon or something? I mean, <laughs> it's an awareness, in, yeah. and it's all, it's all tied into awareness, what you're aware of. So when I say my body fills the universe, it's because I'm aware that my body fills the universe in that sense of, um, no, my liver's not on the moon. My liver is actually everywhere. Mm. Uh, I recall other people uh, could see inside their bodies, mm -hmm. you know, and I thought, that, that's really interesting. I'd like to see inside my body. I've seen inside other people's bodies, but mm -hmm. not ever my own. Mm. Several weeks ago, I was out walking the neighborhood and I was looking inside my own body hmm. for the first time and I was like, this is really amazing, you know, seeing this will help, this will help explain this um, connectedness. So I'm seeing, what I'm looking at is one of my bones mm -hmm. and I'm realizing, no, that's my bone, it was my femur, mm -hmm. so I'm looking at it. And I'm seeing it just as though I'm looking at a, a movie of it. Mm -hmm. I'm seeing it, I'm seeing how it, how it functions and so forth. And then I'm realizing that it's bathed in this golden light. Mm. It's almost like syrup on top of the bone. Mm. But then it's also strands, if you look closer, strands of light, and here they are, and if you look closer, little particles of light. And this energy, this connectedness, is what I'm talking about that allows everything to exist. It holds it together, it, it makes it cohesive, it makes it understandable, it makes it knowable. Hmm. An analogy I was just thinking of that might help explain it a little bit is here's a string of beads mm -hmm. and they're all part of a necklace. Mm -hmm. But imagine if these, this string of beads could expand into an infinite number of strings of beads but still all part of the same necklace. Mm -hmm. Every bead is part of this necklace. Every, without one bead, it wouldn't be a string of necklaces anymore. So that bead's always there. It has a placeholder in mm. the strand, <clears throat> and without it, it's not a necklace. So how I experience consciousness is that everything fits perfectly. Like I was saying, it's a puzzle with no pieces in mm. a sense, is that it <clears throat> all fits together perfectly, perfectly orchestrated, but the bead that's at the end of this necklace knows about the bead that's the third one up on this necklace, mm -hmm. and so on and so forth. All the beads are aware of each other. They are, are we the beads? Is that what you're saying? Particles and, and of so us. 
particles of us. And, yeah. But then there's six billion of us on this planet and so on and so forth out. And so you're saying that the whole thing is like one huge giant interconnected, you know, it's like arrangement a, of beads and... Yeah, and each one of those beads could be one particle. Mm -hmm. So, you know, at the, on the tip of a, of a pin, there's six billion particles or whatever, mm -hmm. you know, and each one of those particles is aware each one specific particle is aware of every single other particle that exists and they are in total communication with each other as well hmm. because each one contains all of the knowledge of creation. Hmm. And so you're saying that that is in reality the way the universe works is that every little particle of it contains the whole mm -hmm. and that if we can sort of be attuned to that then we can sort of have the whole knowledge of creation in everything that we perceive and everything that through we, our senses. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hmm. So that's that's part of my experience. That's what's what's going on is that understanding and that knowledge of <coughs> how my senses relate to <coughs> all that is. Cool. So, <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. That's great. Well, I think that might be a good place to stop. They don't like us to make these interviews too long. No, it's they have been to... five minutes, hasn't it? Yeah, I think so. And we'll do it again because, you know, the way you're going on, it'll be like appropriate every six months or, or whatever to, to do another one and see, see what's yeah. happening. You know? Yeah, I'm fully expecting that, again, everything will turn, turn around inside out or broaden out or something. Yeah. There's always something going on. And you know, sometimes there's periods of time where it's like something will happen and then you just have a homeostasis, you know. Right. And I think, I think what happens is based on that, based on what you're aware of, based mm -hmm. on your physiology, mm. the physiology of the senses, there's a fine-tuning that's going on. Mm. And as that tuning goes on, then you're able to maintain and sustain more awareness. Uh -huh. um, I think that initially when I had this huge opening standing out on the porch and everything disappears, mm -hmm. if my physiology mm -hmm. would have been able to sustain that, it would have been integrated at that time into my awareness. Right. And, and But it wasn't. And knowing, so. no. No. And, you know, my physiology has these vibrations that go on. Yeah and I'll feel them, I'll be aware of them, and that's one of my signals, my personal signals, that I know something's happening. Mm -hmm. It's like I'm getting tuned up like a tuning fork. Something will bang against me, and, and then my whole vi the vibration of my body changes. Yeah. So I, well, I think it works that way on all levels of the body. I mean, I'm, I'm doing this program. There's a website called 100 Push-Ups, and it's this training program where you work your way up to being able to do 100 push-ups. And you don't, you don't just kind of do as many as you can. You do a certain number and then you rest and you do another number and then you rest wow. and then you skip a day, mm -hmm. you know, and then and, and then you print, you know, when you when you complete everything for week 1, you print out week 2 and you and you go through that and but there's this rest and activity cycle that mm -hmm. enables your muscles to sort of acquire the ability to do that. And I think the same is true of our spiritual muscles, you know, or, or the nervous yeah. system in, in its ability to reflect the kind of things and stabilize the kind of things you've been talking about you know, it naturally goes in, in stages of progression and, you know, surges and then fa integra right. integration and then another surge. But most people seem to experience it that way. Yeah, and that's why we don't meditate continually. Yeah, 24-7. I mean, some places they do because that's their, yeah. their choice. But um, 
Yeah, I think you need the, the activity to stabilize what's already going on in your body so that mm -hmm. you can just keep that equilibrium going on. Yeah. It's important, actually. To yoga star Karu Karmani. <laughs> Established in yoga, perform action. action. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, this has been interesting. You know, I, I way in the back of my mind, since you said, you know, I'd like to do another interview, I guess I've kind of been thinking about it, but I really haven't. I just thought whatever, whatever comes up, it'll yeah. just come up. And I know that it might be a little far out for some people to hear, yeah. but... It makes it interesting. But that's just the tip of my iceberg. Yeah. I've got so much stuff that's happened, and, and um, you know, as, as it becomes more clear, you know, I'll share it with yeah. you. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I mean, one person's far out is another person's mundane. So... Um, for sure. I feel like, you know, people should just say as much as they're comfortable saying and you know for some people it might be a stretch and for other people it might be elementary but you know it's just like it makes it interesting to have a whole different story told every week yeah well i figure if i can help just one person understand what they're experiencing done oh yeah well there's a whole gang that you know are really into these interviews and i suspect it'll grow but uh, you know, this chat group where there's all sorts of conversation going on all the time, and mm -hmm. and uh, there's a blog called BatGap.com, which is an acronym for Buddha at the gas pump. Mm -hmm. And um, as a matter of fact, if if anyone listening to this or watching this has a question for Mary, you can post it. E each guest, when I when they do an interview, has their own little section on BatGap.com, and Mary will have a section, and you can go into that section, and then there's a place to post a question or to have a discussion about what, what she was talking about. So, you know, if anybody posts a question, I'll alert you and you can go in there and respond yeah, to it. Yeah, you'll have to because... Yeah, I'll, I'll let you know. Yeah. And you can go in there and respond to it. And, uh, but this is the case for all the 16 or so interviews that we've done so far. So feel free to go to batgap.com and you'll also see there links to other shows that you might find interesting, other spiritual type interview shows and links to various other things. There's, there's sort of a number of different tentacles to this octopus. Well, I'm glad you're doing this because I think, I think by interviewing different people who obviously have different experiences, I was going to go through and, and look at all the interviews, you know, mm -hmm. and I started looking at one and I went, no, that's their experience and they can have their experience. Yeah. And so I didn't want it to mm -hmm. flavor mine at all as far as what I would bring up or say. Yeah, no, I mean, everyone should just tell their own story and, uh, yeah. you know, we're all sense organs of the infinite and it would be really boring if you know it wouldn't be God's style to, to want every single sense organ to be perceiving things exactly the yeah, same way. Let's all like, talk about the same oh, thing. Um. Yeah, yeah, where you have all the same questions for everybody. You know, what, what's your favorite color? What's your yeah. favorite food? You know. I tried using a standard list of questions for a while and asking the same questions to, to every guest. It's difficult. Guessing. It got boring it's after difficult. a while. I had to yeah. stop it. But anyway, so this has been great. And uh, we'll do it again. And thank you to those who are watching or have been listening. And stay tuned. We'll keep doing them. And uh, you know, get involved if you have, feel like you have questions. And there's, there's various ways of watching this, podcasts and, uh, and so on. You'll, you'll find all that on badcap.com. It's too much to say every week. And uh, you'll see some uh, information about that in the titles as they roll. Or if you're just listening to this as an audio, all you need to do is go to batgap.com and you'll, you can use that as a springboard. So thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week. This has been Rick Archer on Buddha at the Gas Pump, speaking with Mary Foster.